We are in Ephesians chapter 2, first 10 verses. Sing Nicole and Christine. Did you get your books translated yet? No. Okay. <laughs> Tell you what, if you look at that alphabet, it may be an ongoing process. So, I always thought the Russian alphabet was, was bad, but... Uh, them Georgians made that up. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not even sure there's a rhyme or reason to it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Please follow in the reading of the Word of God. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Father, we come before you, Father, seeking your word, seeking your truths. And Father, I pray that even now your spirit is making our souls fertile ground for the receiving of this information. That, Father, we may walk in this newness of life. That, Father, we may be overwhelmed with the privilege of being in Him. And, Father, the understanding that, Father, You have placed each of us for such a time as this, for such a place as this, for such a task as this. Help us, Lord. Help us in all humility. Understand none is adequate. And yet, Father, You are taking the foolish to confound the wise and the weak to overthrow the strong. Father, we love you. Father, we praise you. And Father, I thank you again for a season of gratitude. And that, Father, we'd be overwhelmed with the privilege of being called children of the Most High God. May each of our passions be that, to call upon our Papa in heaven. We love you, Christ and Christ alone. Amen. All right, I want to kind of bring a lot of this into context. Understand that when this letter is written... Paul did not write chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. I don't write a lot of letters, but that ain't how I write my letters. I just, I know, some people look at it and say, yeah, but your letters are like one long sentence. But anyway, he wrote this, and I shared with you months ago that some of the manuscripts, original manuscripts of this letter, doesn't have at Ephesus. So if you look at this letter, you can take this letter and you can apply it to any group of believers at any time, at any place. 
He's not dealing with specific issues like in Corinth or in Thessalonica. He's not dealing with that. He's dealing with what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be in the body of Christ? You know, people ask me about my travels and, you know, is it a blessing? Is it this? Is that? It is. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I have noticed something that is non-existent in this country. The church is family. I mean, these people on Sunday, whether I was in Azerbaijan or whether I was in Georgia, they're there all day. They're all there all day. And it's not like, well, okay, today we're going to have a dinner, so we're going to all sit and eat, and tomorrow we're going to... No, they hang out because they like to be around other believers. That's their passion. They want to be there. They're there all the time. Now, I can look at it and say, well, we've got all kinds of distractions. They don't have a whole bunch of TVs. They don't have a bunch of radios. They get together and... The only person that was there that is not musically inclined is me. And everybody, I mean, they'd pick up the guitar, they'd play the piano, the keyboard, whatever it was, and they would just start singing hymns. And, I, and that's just, just what they did. And, and they, some people would go down in, a, in, a, in a, the fellowship hall and they'd cook. And, and, and the guys are into bread. And, <laughs> I mean, they're going to put Panera out of business, man. But they, that, that's what they do. And it was that way whether I was in Azerbaijan or whether I was in Georgia. It's that way when I was in Russia. Okay? It's that way when I was in Israel. Because they understand it is the body of Christ. It is the body of Christ. One of the things that I see lacking in Unless there's some kind of event scheduled, nobody's interested. I mean, just to hang out together? Well, there's other things to do, isn't there? Is there? Yeah, you can go hang out with lost people. Because I know they will not have any influence on you. And I, I, don't, I don't understand that. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Grace to you and peace and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. We are in Christ. We are in His body. But he goes to this dissertation in verses 3 through 14 and he understands he just took a temporal mind and stuck it in heaven eternity past. And he says, oh, pray for you. Okay, I don't want you to have some kind of aneurysm or something. So that's what it does in 15. For this reason, having heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was existed among you and your love for all the saints. That's what I preached on my first Sunday in uh, Baku. Because I've seen these people and it was, uh, Vladislav was there. I'd seen him earlier. Um. And he didn't recognize me. And you could tell he didn't recognize, so I didn't want to embarrass him. So I just, I just kept kind of cruising with it. And then, then Ilya, we, they all get together and pray. The men get together before church and they pray upstairs. So, you know, of course, he wants me to be there. 
And so I go in there and it's, and, and I, as soon as I sit down, all of a sudden he gets this big grin on. He says, I did not recognize you. <laughs> and I was like, that's all right. And then he made fun of my hair. But anyway, I thought to get people together to pray, that's how you empty a church in America. You get done preaching in Baku, you pray. Then there'll be 10 or 15 other people pray, stand up and pray for what they just heard. All right, try that. We'll close up to the afternoon. Anybody want to add prayer to that? Uh, tomorrow. Okay, because we get traumatized. You're going to ask me to pray in public out loud? I'll need some kind of psychiatric help. I remember the first time I was asked, oh my God, what if I say something wrong? You will. Think about who you're talking to. What are you going to say right? Help. <laughs> I mean, thank you and help. I got that one down. But see, this is the kind of stuff that when Paul write this letter, remember the church in Ephesus, I thank God of hearing of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. That's amazing stuff, people. I don't care how you shake that out. So he moves through that and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you will know the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, his inheritance of all the saints. Have you ever tried to grasp that? The working of his might. Then he moves into chapter 2. And he showed us what salvation. What does it mean to be alive in Christ? What does that mean? Okay, because he uses some very vivid terms that I've watched people do all kinds of weird spiritual yoga to try to understand what he means. Well, what does he mean dead in trespasses and sin? Well, it's easy. They're dead. Okay, but, but what does he mean? Well, I don't know. Go stick a hat pin in a corpse and see what it does. That's where you were. Every one of us, at one point, were dead in trespass and sin. Sin means I missed the mark. Trespass means I stumble and fall and go the wrong way. And yet, he uses the term dead because he wants you to understand you have no ability to respond to any stimulus. Do you understand how awful works-based religion is? How can a dead man accomplish anything? And yet that's what a lot of us want to do. Well, what can I do? Nothing. You're dead. You're dead. So we were saved from sin. Ask the people that you know who profess Christ. Ask them, what were they saved from? Most of them are going to save him from hell. Now listen, that is a bonus. That is not what you were saved from. You were saved from that that was sending you to hell. 
Okay, It ain't your sin sending me to hell. It was my sin sending me to hell. But I was dead in it. Which means I had no ability. Listen, when Paul was on the road to Damascus, do you think he was looking for salvation? No. I can tell you truthfully, when I came to salvation, I was not looking for it. But he did have my undivided attention. All right? A lot of people ain't looking for it, and all of a sudden, boom, it hits. I remember I came to salvation, I asked the pastor, what am I supposed to do? He said, read the gospel of John. I said, ah, that sounds good. Opened up the Bible and said, why does he want me to start in the middle of the book? That don't make sense. I mean, read the last book, or the first book, but in the middle. And then you get into the other. Why is he telling me this story four times? But now I've walked with him long enough and says, dude, we don't get it the first dozen times. I was saved from sin. I was saved from trespasses. I was dead. Why? I was on the course of this world. I was walking with the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is working in the sons of disobedience. That we formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Children of wrath. Even... As the rest. So when you share your faith with a loved one and you get this calf at a new gate look, what do you expect? They're dead. They are spiritually dead. They have no ability to respond. That's why when you, we sing the song Amazing Grace, it should be phantasmagorical amazing grace. But it just doesn't rhyme. Why? Because it was a spiritual resurrection at the moment of your salvation. I was saved from sin. And the reason that I was saved from sin? Because it was by His love. By His love. Verse 4. God rich, overabundantly loaded in mercy. In mercy. And his great love with he loved us. He showed us a love that you and I cannot even comprehend until we see him face to face. We sat and went, oh yeah, he loved me. He, he, yeah, yeah. I seen that bumper sticker is going to get. And my wife told me I wasn't allowed to have it. I said, yes, God loves you, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> I said, I want to get that bumper sticker. And she says, no, you ain't. <laughs> so, I, I, I think about, I shared with you a story last week, uh, or uh, an illustration last week, if you run over a kid and killed a family's child. Okay? Now, you can do your debt to society, but you have sinned against the love of those parents. When you are walking in your trespasses and sin, you were also breaking God's law, but you were also 
sinning against his love. And yet he loved us even though we were yet doing that. So do you understand now when Paul gets excited and says, I'm in Christ in the body. You know, I wonder how many people sitting in churches today understand the privilege of being in the church is. I wonder how many people understand that. Or I hope he gets done because the game starts at two. I wonder. I wonder how many people are sitting in the body of Christ right now thinking, do I understand the honor, the highest privilege known to humanity to be in the body of Christ. Because it is by his love that you are there. All right, so salvation is from sin. He's all coming out of this. Let me show you what was happening in the past in chapter one. Now let me show you what's happening now in your life. Because you were saved from sin, therefore you are now alive in Christ. And you were saved from sin by His love, which has no qualifiers. Okay, which brings me to verse 5. And salvation is into life. Into life. Verse 5. For even though, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. You know, I remember when I was in my teens or something like that, the late 60s and 70s, they started, uh, uh, everybody wanted to become philosophical or thought they were going to be. What is the meaning of life? I don't know if that carried on because I, I remember we were under the influence of something when we decided we'd think about it, which is, if you really think about it, it's kind of stupid. You know, let's get screwed up and figure out what life is. I think about these things because I watch people trying to do that now. Uh, they may not come up with that specific question, but, you know, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? And, and you always get some kind of abstract, you know, whatever. All you're proving to me is that you're still dead in your trespasses and sin. Okay, I mean, because we miss that, you know. We were once dead in our trespasses and sin. And you know what? There is one thing that every dead person needs more than anything else. One thing. Don't think it's a coffin. Okay? (laughs) One thing a dead person needs. Life. But the tragedy is a dead person doesn't even know that. We need life. Paul is telling you and I that at one point in your life, you didn't know you were spiritually dead. You didn't know it. I mean, you might have been moral. Okay, that's fine. You may not, you know, you might have been a goody two-shoe or whatever you want to call it. That's fine. But you had no idea that you were dead to God. You had no idea how to respond to him. You know, I've told you guys many times, I said, I've always believed that there was a God. But I looked around and said, look, he made all this stuff for me to play with. And that's what I was 
doing my best to accomplish. But I was dead to who he was. You know, that is one of the things I get into trouble with now. When I ask, how do you know you are saved? People, if the pastor asks you, how do you know if you're saved? You know that there's something there that's bothersome. Why did he ask me that? Why didn't he ask that person that? How do you know you're saved? And I can give you the flippant answer. Well, the spirit bears witness with mine that I'm a child of God. Okay, and everybody goes, oh, bravo, bravo, bravo. But how do you know you're saved? Because listen, dead people, if the spirit is talking to you, you don't get the memo. Unless he convicts you. How do you know you're saved? And I, you know, I, I get people, and I mean, <laughs> I've asked that of pastors before and never seen them since. But <laughs> evidently or not. I think we should be asking that more often. I know a whole bunch of people right now who haven't been to church in decades will tell you that they're saved. And I'm sitting there going, how do you know you're saved? Because I tell you what, you look just like lost people. Lost people don't go to church. Why do they go to church? You know, not here. Well, we're going to get saved at. Really? That ain't where I got saved. I was in a cell. There wasn't even an altar call. I didn't hear no organs or nothing. How do you know you're saved? You know how you'll know? Verse 5. Look at it. We were dead in our transgressions made us alive with Christ. I'm alive. That's how I know. I'm alive. I hunger and I thirst for the things of God. They are my priority. It ain't my family. It's not my spouse. It ain't my kids, my grandkids. It's my King, my Lord, and my Savior. And even when I'm kind of doing the transgression thing, stumbling around and falling, he's not far from my mind. We were dead in sin, but by grace, I am now alive in Christ. Listen, the point that the Apostle Paul's trying to shove home here. If you are doubting the power of God in your life. Do you understand it's the same power that raised Christ from the grave? It is the power that has raised your spirit to understand the things of God. That power. That power. You know what? And and the church has bought hook, line, and sinker. That you need something else. Salvation was that initial thing. And now you need to... uh, And it comes in... 
It crosses all denominational lines. It crosses all teachers and doctrine is that you get saved and you hang out with him for a while. And maybe you'll go to vacation Bible school. Maybe you'll go do this. Maybe you'll do that. And then at some point down the line, you will become a disciple. Well, you know, it's a great idea. And if you look at a lot of people's lives, that sure is what it looks like. But you understand that that's a lie from the pit of hell. Did you know that at the moment of your salvation, you were as holy as Jesus Christ was? At the moment of your salvation. That gives me the privilege to pray. Do you understand that under Judaism, you had to take your prayers to the priest? Why? Because he's in tune. You can't go. I see that today. There's so many out there believe that there's a second work, maybe a second blessing, maybe a, a special baptism, um, because you, you just you just don't have the power. You know what? There's a theological term for that. That's garbage. That's garbage. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead has already acted in the believer's life. It's already there. That power that raised him from the dead. See, Jesus' body died. He didn't have to have a spiritual resurrection. That was his. But the body had to be raised. That's what you and I long for, I hope. But at the moment that Adam sinned, he was spiritually dead to God. That's why he thought he could go hide. Only spiritually dead people think, well, if I stick my head under this thing here, God can't see me. But now that you are alive in Christ, you've been raised by the same power that raised Christ. You are spiritually awakened. We have been resurrected out of the deadness of sin. Every single believer. That's why when you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar, you don't have to have someone catch you because you already feel guilty about it. Because before Christ saved you, you never felt guilty about it. It didn't bother you. Well, if they hadn't laid them cookies out there, I wouldn't eat them. I know that none of us in this room has ever tried to validate our sins. Look, if you're worried whether God can get you off of this globe and put you into the gates of pearls, you know, get out of here and get into there. Do you think he can handle you going into the grave and coming out the other side? I've already been saved from sin. What separates me from God? Sin. And he did it because he wanted to lavish on us the magnitude of his love. He's already raised us 
spiritually. It's done deal. It's done deal. Listen, I myself, the more I study Scripture, I think that the physical resurrection is easier than the spiritual resurrection. Now, maybe when I get to heaven and get my resurrected body, I say, well, I don't know, that's pretty neck and neck here. But right now, when I think about how spiritually dead people are, to get them to be respond to the stimulus of God means that it has to be a miraculous work. I think Paul is showing you and me that we can have confidence in God's power. I wish we would put more confidence in it. And, and you know, we, oh, well, yeah, I, I, really? Ever been anxious? Ever worried about something? Why would you worry about something? Well, but you don't. Be careful. I just had this discussion. You don't understand what I'm going through. No, you don't understand my God. I was reading a, a, an old book a long time ago by the name of Eubius. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it. It'd be a good movie, but I doubt if you're going to get it done. And it was dealing with Lazarus. You remember Lazarus? Lazarus come forth. And what a nuisance he was to the Romans. What are you going to do? Kill him? He's already seen that. And there were just some stories about what a pain in the rear end he was. We'll kill you if you keep preaching. And he'd stand right in their faces and get after it. Because he looked at death as a reward. But you know what? Why aren't we that way? What are you going to do? Kill me? Oh, darn. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? This is amazing stuff, people. You are alive. I am here about my father's work. I have a purpose. I know the meaning of life. When we can get a grip on who we are and what we've got and what God has already done in your life, then you will understand that salvation was from sin by the love of God into life. And you know what? You'll become annoying. You will. I've had people say, is that the only thing you talk about is God? That's it. Well, you don't ever say nothing unless it's about God. Oh, darn. I could talk about your boss, Satan. Did I tell you he got his butt whooped? That's where I arrest my case. I'm annoying. He made us alive. Listen, when you became a Christian, you are no longer alienated life from God. You were alive in Christ. You came alive. And you know what is amazing? Instantaneously, the miracle 
made you sensitive to God. You know, I, I tell everybody, I said, I read my Bible every day. Because everybody asks, does God talk to you? And I said, yeah, every day. Every time I read my Bible, he's telling me something. And they said, well, it sounds mechanical. Well, I, I've tried it the other way. Okay. How long do you want to go without food or water? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. And you know what? I know it. Um, this little trip I just took, I had 40 hours of traveling. Okay. I would not recommend it. Okay. It, it's way overrated. I had seven hour layover in uh, JFK and I had a 17 hour layover in Moscow. Plus 12 hours in an aluminum can across the Atlantic. All right. So I found myself, I mean, you, you know, everybody said, well, did you sleep? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. Every time I went to the bathroom in the plane, I took a nap. Okay. Nah, you, you just kind of hang in there. Okay. And I found myself all of a sudden, oh, I haven't read my Bible. And I could stop, sit down in a chair or a restaurant or something like that, open that sucker up and just kind of go through it briefly. Uh, I went through the letters that I was teaching. Uh, you guys know I was teaching the book of Romans, so I read Romans every day. I think it was every day. <laughs> I don't know what day it was. It's just, it's, it's dark out again. <laughs> it's, I don't know what's happening. But uh, I found that that was sort of like my crutch. And I thought, you know what? For a kid who grew up despising reading, I thought if God wanted me to read, why did he make cassette tapes? It just didn't make sense to me. Okay? It's just a waste of good eye energy. And yet I found myself reading. I am sensitive to God. I open the word now and it's, aha! And I know that before Christ, I read it and was like, da 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 that kind of, I mean, the only Bible verse that I'd ever heard was the 23rd Psalm, and that was because it was on the back of the obituary of my father. Okay, and you read over in the Lord of my valley of dead, and all, great. He's still dead. And that was my extent of my Bible knowledge. And I kept thinking, why are there so many books and why do so many of them repeat it? Now I can read it. And it's like a feast. That is the aha. I am alive to the spiritual world. The spirit of God is in your life if you're a Christian. And you know what? I can look around right now at every detail on this globe and it all makes sense. All of it. And people say, well, yeah, but have you seen? Yep. I've seen it. I've seen it. 
I was supposed to go meet with some Chechnyans. <laughs> I, don't, I, think, I don't think these people like me. But hey, let's go meet some Chechnyans. Ain't they the ones that fight the Russians over Islam and all? Yep. Yeah, but you're doing Romans. You can share with them from Romans. But the Chechnyans. And uh, he said, no. He says, this will be great. I was like, all right. So we're going to take off to go see some Chechnyans. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, Lord, where are the guardian angels right now? I mean, <laughs> I need a couple of bigger ones. And we got stopped by the Georgian, I don't know, border patrol or whatever you want to call it. And uh, we told him where we were going. He says, you can't go there. And I was like, well, why not? And he says, well, two days ago, the Russians annexed three more miles. And so now they are in Russia. And I was like, what? He says, yeah. He says, they do that every once in a while. You wake up in the morning and they'll bang on your door and they'll give you paper that says that you're a Russian citizen, get your passport in Russia, and if you don't want it, there's the door. And I was like, well, I guess the Chechnyans don't get the gospel, because I didn't have a Russian visa, nor can I get one, because of political maneuvering. All right? Well, what was the point of that? I got to see some really cool mountains. And I, you know what? I think that the guys that I was with said, this guy, he's going to go talk to Chechnyans. And it was our idea. And he don't seem to care. <laughs> and then I don't. Every time I travel, someone says, well, are you afraid you're going to crash or anything like that? And I was like, I'm more afraid of being shot down than crashing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I said, no, not really. Why? Listen, if God wants me to die in an airplane, he'll drop one on my head. I, I don't think we understand that sometimes. And after 40 hours of traveling, it sounded like a good idea to die. Listen, I shared with you guys years ago, and, and some of you who know me, I, uh, I have always liked history. Okay, um, it just always was fascinating to me. I liked history. But do you know what I found since I became a Christian? I understand the meaning of history more than I ever did. I mean, I could tell you where battles were fought and who was the general. I can tell you that the flanking maneuver that we do that you saw in Desert Storm was created by Alexander the Great. Uh, you know, I can tell you all kinds of really useless stuff. Okay, But I also see Alexander the Great thought he was God. All right, So when he conquered a country, he absorbed their religion. And he took their religious writings and had them translated into the Greek language. Well, okay. You know what, you know what that means? You know what the Septuagint is? It's the Old Testament. In Greek, guess who translated it? Well, Alex. And he threatened to kill if there's any error in the exact translation of the text. That's history. I understand the meaning. You know what happened? 
They destroyed the, the original Hebrewic writings. But guess what? Oh, Alex, he got the Greek ones. I know the meaning of history. Now there's a real reason for me to live. There's a real, real, real reason for you to live. Because you know what? If you're saved today, and I mean you're really saved, you have felt and you have seen God at work. If you have not felt that or you have not seen that, then I want you to talk to me after this is over. Because there's no reason for you not to. You know, and, and I struggle with this because people say, well, I just don't. Well, listen, when the Apostle Paul left Jerusalem to go arrest a bunch of people in Damascus, when he came back, you know what? There wasn't people thinking, well, you think he's really saved? Not only is he really saved, he's annoying. Before Festus, they brought accusations before him. And you know what they were? He's a pest and he stirs up the people. What I was told my spiritual gift was. <laughs> you got spiritual gifts of being a pest and stirring up the people. Listen, if you're truly saved, you know Christ intimately. If you're truly saved, you understand the brotherhood of the saints. With every Christian, you understand that when I walk into these countries and I can't. Can't hardly communicate with them. There is a oneness there that is mind-numbing. I've seen it. I've felt it. And every believer should see it and feel it. Sometimes it's very loud. Sometimes it's not. Do you understand that every Christian is a possessor of the common eternal life in Christ? Every Christian. God did it when he made us alive in Christ. When he raised Christ from the dead, the doors opened. Remember, the Holy of Holies was exposed. You know what that means? The common man can enter into the presence of God. He made us alive together with Him. That's why Paul says, we are in Him. We have a oneness that no man can ever design or create. It ain't based on, well, I like this or I like that or I don't like this or I don't like that. No, we are in Christ. We were there when he was raised from the grave. I already showed that to you. When were you saved? Before the foundations of the world. So when he was raised from the grave, guess what? You were there. And you were alive in Christ at that moment. When he came out of the grave, we were raised with him. Remember Romans 6? You've been baptized into his death and raised to walk in the what? Newness of what? I went from dead to newness of life. See how it's just getting bigger and bigger, people? God's power has already been displayed 
in our behalf. It's already done. So, you have been saved from sin. Salvation is from sin. Salvation is by God's love. And salvation is into life. Next week, guess what? Salvation is with purpose. Purpose. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. Lord, we love you. Father, the more I look at salvation and understand it, more and more with every day you grace me. I am overwhelmed. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. May that same overwhelming that I have, may they have. May they understand what does it mean to be in Christ, to be in the body of the living Savior. Father, help us. Help us to walk worthy. Help us to be overwhelmed. Father, may we just rejoice at what you've done and what you will do. Lord, the time is precious. I pray for each of these ears today that they will hear and that they will know that they are here about the Father's work. Father, let us be bold in our confidence. Father, let us rejoice in our humility as we watch the power that spoke existence into being go forth from us in word and deed. We are your workmanship. We praise you. In Christ's name. Amen.